Hello everyone, welcome to Heart's Happiness Podcast. The place where I, Manpreet, share my journey of healing intergenerational family trauma to help you to understand your story. I share a bunch of tools and tips that will transform your mental health and allow you to find your own heart's happiness. So exciting, right? Each episode will cover one of three areas. One, raising awareness of what this trauma actually is and how it hides in our lives. Two, tools, tips, support, lots of different things that I've used to get better and heal from this trauma. And three, I'll be connecting you with so many specialists and therapists and coaches as guests on my show. So we are going to transform your mental health and empower you to take your healing by the hands and move forward. Hello, my loves. Welcome back for another episode. Today, we are talking all about our limiting money beliefs and how we can change them. This is something I speak to people about all day long in my sessions, whether it be with an entrepreneur or somebody that's healing from trauma, because our relationship with money starts when we're really young and it impacts the quality of our life. Now, my guest is someone that has been on a number of times and she is one of my clients, but she is my mum. So I have been helping mum with her money beliefs and things have really changed for her in the last few months. And she has an incredible story. So I wanted her to share it with you. And it just shows how we really can change our stories, whether it be love, whether it be money, it is so possible for us. And that is what I love, love, love helping people with, which is why I have opened up some new one-to-one coaching spots opening up in November. So that's one-to-one coaching with me for four months or six months. It's my premium coaching package for the person that is really ready to change their story, to seriously transform, to grow the self-worth, to heal the inner child, the younger parts of themselves, so they're able to create the life they really long for. Because often we can't have that life because of our wounding. But when we work on the wounding, we become a magnet for what we want to attract. And me and mum share in this podcast how we've both been able to do that with money and how I've been able to do it with love and other parts of my life, clients, podcasts, all kinds of things. So if you would be interested in working with me from November, there is a link in the episode notes and you can book a call with me in my diary to apply because I always like to meet people so we can make sure we're the right fit. And I also have some VIP days coming available that are for those of you that really want to go for your purpose. And you might be afraid to go for your purpose, or maybe you are an entrepreneur and you're struggling with it because of your fears around money. It's really, really common. And it is something that I can help you with. And I've got two dates for VIP days. So we spend the day together on the 1st of December or the 8th of December for two people. So one per day. So if you are interested in either of those things, drop me an email at manpreet at heartshappiness.co.uk or you can also just book into my diary over the next couple of weeks for while that I have availability. So that is what I wanted to share with you. And mum actually is in my mastermind and she's done all my courses. So that's what she's been using to increase her self-worth so she becomes a magnet for money. But we're going to share all of that in today's podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. Today I've got like the most popular guest on the podcast, my mum. She's back again. It's been about a year since you've been on before, mum. By the way, it's been ages. Um, and we're going to be talking today about how mum's been working on her money beliefs. So we've been working together. Yeah, I do charge my own mum in a mastermind. And also like she's done all my courses to work on this because it's became became such a block for her as she became an entrepreneur. So mum, did you want to introduce yourself and explain what it is that you do? And then we'll go into the money stuff. Hello, everybody. My name's Sarinda. Um, I'm Ampreet's mom. I have, um, I'm 66 years of age and I'm a qualified counsellor, hypnotherapist and life coach for older women. Uh, because that's that has become that is my passion because I feel uh, uh, limiting beliefs they just stay with us and I've had to work so hard with those beliefs and it's been a layer upon layer and the money ones I've only recently cleared yeah and it's such a great story which is why I thought I'd have you on so liberating to stop worrying about money and yeah. I, now I know I do less hours than ever, but I know my bills will be paid and I know whatever I want to do, uh, I'll be supported and it'll be okay. Yeah. 
But it's been quite the journey for you to get there because you are 66. It is. I am. I've only just turned 66. Yes, I mean, uh, I can just put it, uh, a background to it. Um, uh, I was born in India. My dad came into this country in 1957 uh, and I was born just afterwards. Now, he had no money. He lived in a house in with five, six other Asian guys, they would make one curry each, which would last the whole week. He worked really hard. He worked nights, that curry. And the only treat, and the reason I put treat is because, you know something, we never thought of fun and all what to have. He would go and see an Indian film on a Saturday. That's it. Mm. Rest of the time. It all was he was doing was working. Yeah. Work and send the money back to India for his family, for his wife, his kids, and also um, for his sisters. Mm -hmm. So that was his mindset. All he had to do was work and work really hard. And he worked in a foundry nights. And you know something? He never took a day off sick. And that, again, is another limiting belief that stayed with me for a long time. Yeah. Now, so like our, my granddad, he's one of the very first Indian faces that came to the UK. And that was very normal of that generation that they would live um, with other men. Um, they would work all of the time. They were treated really badly as well. And they were underpaid compared to other workers in, in those places. And they just had to work, 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 earn enough money. And then they would bring their family over. And then when you guys came and actually when you from in, in India, your family was quite all right. We were, they, they were well off. Yeah. But, you know, it was the dream that was sold to so many Asians. The fact that, you know, they used That's to say pavements are paved with gold. Good God, they are not. They were not. <laughs> But yeah, that's what but they were I think it was also that. the dream that there was, you know, there was more opportunity here in the UK, right? So they left homes where, you know, food was cheaper and, you know, that it wasn't such a hard graft like in India. Like, you know, I mean, they had hardship, but in a different way because your, your parents were around the time of the war and also um, the partition. So they had lots of struggles and lots of horrible things and traumas that they saw. So I think with, with your dad as well, he just, he did kind of want to get out there. Yeah, and, you know, this was seen as the way to provide a better life for his children. Mm. No, and even when coming into this, and even when we, we came, and if you think by... In three years, he managed to save the money for our tickets. We came on an aeroplane. We didn't get on a ship or anything. So there was me, my two brothers, and my sister and my mom uh, got on a plane. And by then, he had bought a house. That's he had crazy. bought a house with a mortgage. They didn't used to have uh, bathrooms in those days. But, you know, he'd bought it. There was lodges in the house, but it was he had bought it by the time we got here. And in those days, the wives didn't work. So my mom had four kids and she was at home. And again, he just carried on working. So all we saw was my dad working and that mm -hmm. was it. And, and what was the living um, situation then? Because if that first house, you've got you've got uh, tenants, so that I guess to help pay the bills. And then what were you all in like two rooms? Because was... my dad did not, my dad did nights. There were two rooms and then there were lodges there. There was no central heating in those days. There used to be fire, <laughs> fire. Uh, and yeah, it, that's what it was. But you know something, but part of this is that there was always, my mom always cooked. You know, there wasn't this talk about how much they love you or anything. We got uh, really nice meals and everything. My mum always cooked. Um, in terms of when it came to clothes, I remember it was sort of hand-me-downs and stuff because they were trying to save. Because even though my dad had paid for us to come into the country, he still had two uh, sisters back home. And he was the one who had to pay for their weddings so mm. he then carried on saving yeah. for their weddings and then once they were 
married and they were brought into the country. He then carried on saving to marry his sons, which aren't that expensive, but for his daughters, you know, they the dowry system existed in those days. Well, it still does. It still does. And doing the full dowry, the full weddings, and in those days, and he did good wedding, good weddings. But on the flip side of that was that, like, say, I didn't get, you know, in those days, kids didn't get pocket money. Good God, no. And when you work, you didn't even get the money you worked. So imagine turning 17, 18, working in the summer holidays. I worked for Marks and Spencers and that, and it was like, okay, you can have this much for your fares, but we're going to open an account and that money goes towards your wedding. Yeah, which is a wedding that you don't even get to choose who you want to marry. But isn't it interesting, like your dad is working all of the hours and he doesn't enjoy any of his money, really. Oh. All he does with that money is use it for his, what's expected of him. His yeah, and I want to put quotes around that, responsibilities. Yeah. It is that it was in our culture, that was what was expected for him. But that would be the same in different cultures. It would be what what would, you know, nobody's looking to enjoy their money. There's nothing like what we have now. And even when you say your family ate well, but yeah. still they're eating, I would reckon, a predominantly vegetarian diet vegetarian. and meat on the odd occasion because that was seen as a luxury right and I'm guessing it was quite expensive. Meat was, uh, my mum would cook meat at the weekends but yeah. having said that because my dad had health problems. Um, Not surprised he had health problems. Health problems. problems. And then he uh, my mum would go every day and get but this was when I was probably in my teenage years um, she would get a piece of cod every day for him to have because he did nights and he would only have one meal in a day mm-hmm. and then he used to take a sandwich and that was it but you know but she would but the thing was when he came to food but it was like she would go to Marks and Spencer's to get the chicken that she would cook at the weekends yeah it was, you know it was that type of thing mm-hmm. uh, but it you know and then slowly slowly it, you know but that in terms of saving is what I saw throughout. For your future, for your future, always for the future, not to be enjoyed right now. Any money that was enjoyed right now was purely for survival. And what was, I I know your mum had a bit of an interesting relationship with money as well. Like, what was your mum like with money? Well, my mum, it's weird because my mum never had, never worked. She didn't hold an account. She didn't even like taking a purse with money in. Mm. It was like, she would say, I mean, my mum and dad never went to the shops together ever they mm. just didn't, you know and my mom would be like really anxious if she had to uh um go and buy something on her own yeah uh, and then i think even after my dad passed away she hated it uh she hated anything to do with money it was uh it was like it's almost like you know men deal with the money mm. Yeah. Mm. But she didn't trust herself money. with money you didn't trust yeah. us with money. No. Yeah. And if you, as you were starting to earn your own money, you weren't allowed. Like, uh, it, was earned, it was, if I, I would say, well, can't I just, and it was like, no. If I said, oh, I really want to buy this. And it was like, okay, you can buy it, but you can stick it into your di- diary. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, what's the point in that? Yeah, sure. So what I wanted to, why I wanted you to talk about the beginning part of your relationship with money. We all have a relationship with money that all comes from childhood, just like we have uh, an attachment to our parents, which can be insecure and secure. It's the same with money. We can have a really insecure relationship with money. And what you're hearing right now is mum's relationship with money, which is money is to be saved for the future. One, uh, we can't enjoy our money right now. It's not safe to spend our money. Being and, I was say, and also I think the important thing is that money uh you've uh, like uh you've got to really graft for every penny mm. you know and god forbid if you know like say give you an example of my dad he had arthritis in his knees uh and he worked nights and it was like the ambulance would come and pick him up to take him to the hospital and he would have these injections to remove the fluid from his kneecaps. They would go, 
drop him off at home and he would go upstairs get it god forbid you take a day off sick again this is another belief that you yeah so the overworking regardless to what it's doing to your body and your dad had like he had really serious health conditions from probably from quite a young age because it was before you got married right yeah this was yeah this was when uh, i was probably in my um um teenage years that yeah that came later the arthritis arthritis kicked in first yeah yeah kicked in but he would wait till the ambulance went put his clothes on and make sure he got to work for the evening shift yeah celiac arthritis all of those things is inflammation that was his body's way of telling him it was too much how many days a week did he work Five nights, mm. and he never, there was a strike on the ones, right? Did my dad go on strike? No, 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 no. He would not. He refused, and he would cross the picket line because it's like, well, if I lose this job, how am I going to provide for my family? Mm. And what age did he stop working? He he didn't stop, so he you know he had really bad health conditions and stuff. He stopped working when I got married. Mm, so he, what would he have been? I was twenty. I was sort of twenty three. So he would have probably been in his uh, late fifties. Mm. And his like, and his boys were like working at this point because your brothers are a lot older than you. Yeah, my brother. But it was like for him, the the daughters are his responsibility. But then my brothers were working, but then they also paid. You know, because uh, they they moved to Scotland and they got shops. So they also contributed towards the wedding the same way as my dad had done for his sisters. They contributed as well. So so it's those same beliefs carrying on. Mm. And your brothers also work a lot, didn't they? They still do. They still uh, my oldest. He is now what, 74, I think. He still works. And it's like it's like you're told that you need to work. Otherwise, what's, what per- what's your purpose? What's your purpose? So that's a big shift. And mm-hmm. also the other thing you're taught is, and I had that belief going when I was married, that you've really got a graft. You cannot take time off sick. Even mm-hmm. though once I was married and I was working and I'd become ill, that belief in my head was uh, if you don't go to work, you know you're not worthy you're lazy and you know something and you have to work that way otherwise you're and it was never about there was never a belief about you know you shouldn't earn loads of money it was like just enough to cover everything and I never thought bigger than that dream it was always just to make sure and we always had enough Mm, yeah and no, it's very right. interesting, isn't it? So you can see that the, your dad, the way he overworked, the impact on his health, all of those things, how it went into to you and your siblings. Like, obviously, the brothers, they worked constantly. I mean, your younger brother, who's still older than you, but he didn't retire until quite late, didn't he? Was he was 70 and he was the headmaster for a school. So and he travelled across London. Yeah, he worked constantly, all of the time. Yeah, and, he was uh, Your sister, she... She had her own business, but they worked for a lot. I, mean, I guess the, she's probably the more, most chilled out of all of you, but she definitely, she worked in her own business and was in it for a long time. And then she doesn't really know how to rest. And I, I don't think any of your family know how to rest or to slow down or take care of themselves. Or And they're learning to as they get older, but it's very like... It, it, it's like, you know, it, it's that inner critic that's yeah. like what do you mean you're gonna sit down it's like okay so you finished work come on you need to do this you need to... it's like and you don't process stuff it's a way to numb out as well yeah they do you all as well like other type of people that will work yourself so hard that you sort of crash in front of the sofa like even your brothers will watch tv and they won't speak and they'll just watch tv i do it as well so it's like, it must be in the family but you know they, it's that kind of not resting and then all of a sudden you're so shattered that um you have to just like lie down and watch something but it's almost if it's like in order to in your head it's like you've got to work really hard 
right? So that, you know, you're worthy of your food. You know, it's that in your mind. Yes, I've Your dad, that. even the way he was nourishing his body, he's having a sandwich and then he's having his food when he gets in. That's not still not a lot. And, you know, I've even seen that with with some of your siblings where they won't even think about nourishing themselves in that way. Like, I, I don't know if they're doing it because of money or if it's like some sort of control over food. <laughs> I don't think it's even money it's 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 I don't I think it's it just becomes a habit doesn't it because mm. you don't think about if you think you're in autopilot yeah yeah totally totally so how did it mum with you so obviously you've got married and you've gone into a family like my dad's family is, is different to yours but still a very insecure relationship dad my dad was much poorer than you uh, as in your family the way that you were raised still obviously immigrants and struggling and all that all of that stuff but like my grandma she had to work all the time because my granddad was a lot lazier than your dad he worked a lot beforehand but then he sort of started to take it easy and dad was really like terrified of money he was terrified of losing it of being poor so he used to really try to hoard it he wouldn't be happy spending it so he had his own issues and his family had their own issues around money but what did you find what happened after you got married well, I think for me it was like okay I didn't I I couldn't spend stuff uh, on things when I was growing up so I thought okay now that I'm married because that's the lie that everyone told you <laughs> this lie that yeah I can everything will be better when you get married but it doesn't because the really bad thing is so I because so even though I was working he had the control and he would check my statements and say well why did you spend so much and it was awful because if I wanted to buy things for you and my son I had to lie of the cost because he would say well why did you spend that much money I it was almost my second dad actually my dad never moaned at me about money ever he always said okay if you really want this thing you can have it but put it in that dowry but it's not something that you can enjoy until exactly. you're a married woman exactly whereas with my husband it was like well no you can't do it. imagine just going to Sainsbury's to do your shopping I would put food in he yeah. would take money he would yeah, take I mean, that was so bad with money because I remember you know I as a child I'm growing out of clothes and he wouldn't let like you buy us new clothes and I can't fit into things and I remember being like a teenager and still wearing kids clothes or even underwear like it would be ripped and he wouldn't be okay with the spending so like even bare essentials he was not okay with spending money on it's not even like it was extravagant things that we wanted it was just basically things like that and that he was just so like weird about and you know just weird about any kind of like you just be so controlling and, and this really affected my relationship with money because we're going into now how mum's relationship with money has coming into me and then obviously I've got a, a, my dad as well and I, I've shared this on the podcast before but similar to mum I had my first job he's not saying I can't access my money because of marriage he's saying I can't access money because of like I need to save for when I go to university so he would give me I don't know I can't even remember it was probably like five pounds of my own money every week when I used to work in like McDonald's so I wouldn't have that financial kind of independence and he would even control where I was allowed to spend it and I remember when I got a bit older and I was living on my own um he was trying to force me to show him my credit card bills and like my financial, what's, what was going on with me financially. Um, I knew I couldn't show him because he would have been really angry with me because obviously I've not been taught how to take care of money because you're I'm not allowed to spend it. Then I'm going into like being an adult and I don't know how to, how to use it. I just want to get nice clothes and, you know, like eat the things I want to eat in the supermarket. No one's taught me how to manage money or anything because he had just taught me how to control it. And like, and that was it. Like I, that almost, he gave me the belief that I'm not, I can't trust myself around money. And that's still a belief that I still hold today. Like when, when my money comes in, I want to put it all into wherever it's meant to go. And I've, never been like a big saver like my husband because I've never felt safe with it and that's part of that reason comes from childhood and that's something that I'm working on um so anyway so dad's being really controlling with money and then because I, I remember when we were young can I, can I just add though the thing yeah. is right uh when he was working we had good jobs yeah so you, no, you guys had good money 
he had good money. I mean, I had, uh, you know, I had a good job. He had a good job. You we know, had two cars. we had two cars. We we went on an amazing holiday. We had amazing holiday. Well, question mark amazing. You bet we went to really nice places. Like we went to Orlando three times. But what I was going to say is, people looking from the outside would think, well, they're fine. They must be doing really well. Look at their house, and the house was, you know. Uh, you know, we had nice houses, two cars, holidays, but it wasn't, I couldn't just say to him, oh, can I, I'm just going to blow a hundred pounds on a dress. He'd say, why? Good God. And if it, if there were weddings coming up, that was just painful mm. in terms of wanting to buy new clothes for, for you, for myself. Uh, yeah, it used yeah. to be awful. Yeah, he was a real hoarder. I mean, he was brought up very, very poor. So he obviously, you know, this thing that like I've been working a lot on and I know you have as well, mum, is like orientating to the safety that you're in right now. And I think for him, his body and his nervous system hadn't quite taken in that he was now safe uh, I, in both of you in different ways. But for dad, I think he 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 never really took, took in that I'm actually not poor anymore. Like he acted like he was poor every single day. And he acted like it was going to go away. And also, I think for both of you, like whether you liked a job or you didn't like a job didn't matter. You were just doing the job to earn your money. Mm, yeah, no, exactly. You know, so, yeah, and I would say throughout married life. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, I think I became ill during uh, when I got ME, which is like uh, where your nervous system is. like chronic fatigue. Yeah. chronic fatigue and I was what 33 34 when my whole body just collapsed because I was just working so much and doing this and doing that and, and not thinking oh yeah it's okay to sit down mm. yeah you know? yeah and then so we're in a very stressful environment like with that yeah. exactly. so you know it does so we think yeah we can deal with it but your body says well hang on you can't, you can't. And I literally had to go uh, take both of you uh, and go to Scotland. My mom had to look after us for a month, took you out of school because nobody else was going to look after me. Mm. Uh, just to, you know, but that made me think, well, actually, I don't need to make sure everything's clean, tidy, spotless. So if I need to sit down a little bit, a little bit, not like a do now but it's okay rather than making sure all everything was perfect right. so yeah, yeah and that's what kind of got you sick but also I really love for you to touch upon your relationship with work with work I think for me uh I also use work I'm going to use it in terms of to numb out as well because yeah, uh, yeah, my family do that. And I think for me, as um, the marriage went on and as you kids grew up and I didn't want to be in the house, for me, uh, I'd rather be at work. I'd rather. So I took on extra responsibilities. I studied uh, just so I didn't have to sit with my feelings and with him. Mm. It, you know, uh, I felt better. And then I think when it came to grief, when I lost my mom, and even when my husband, you know, when he died as well, for me, I, I didn't know how to deal with emotions. Yeah, so you just continued. I just, I, just um, I think I blocked them a long time ago. It took a long time um, to deal with them. Yeah. And, it, you know, it was like, just auto. I was just totally in autopilot. If I wasn't working... I was studying. Oh, I'll take on an. I'll do another qualification and another qualification, just so I wouldn't have to be at home. Yeah, with him. Yeah, and it continued even after he'd gone because I remember, you know, once he's left and everything died. Should I say he didn't leave? <laughs> well, you know, like I felt that you were always working a lot and you were always worrying about money. I, after he died, it was like because the mortgage. You're on your own. On your I was own. on my own, even though he hadn't worked for a couple of years before that. Yeah. 
because I had to buy a new house, so I had more uh, bills and everything. Um, and really, I carried on the same way because I didn't uh, deal with any of it. No, and no. I, ju- I went for... You weren't enjoying your money either. <laughs> well, no, and there was nobody telling me that I couldn't spend it, but mm. it was uh, the mortgage, everything, and it was just like, okay, I need to work. I took one job on, which was five hours traveling a day. Mm. I mean, who does that? You know, but it was, well, I need to provide for my family. Yeah. And I haven't got enough. I haven't got enough money. I haven't got got enough. I have, you know, and it was that mindset, you know, but then, and I, you know, so it was always, I need to make sure, you know, make sure. And there was a lot of guilt as well in terms of, for YouTube, in terms of, but then if you, either of you wanted something I was more than happy to pay for that yeah you'd give us money really easily but can you see how and if looking back at it now when we lived in that house that we bought that you bought after dad passed away um like you really were all right for money but you never I wasn't felt, okay. you were um, you were okay for money but you didn't feel like you were I know it's because the thing is unless you work on yourself so yes i you know, so I'd, I'd got a plan together that I will study, do a job that yeah. I want. So, you know, this was my vision uh, that, you know, something. I went for therapy. It didn't work for me because she didn't understand our ways and stuff. So I decided, you know, something I want to do that. Mm-hmm. So but how did I do it? I worked five days a week and then I studied at the weekends. So where was the free time? Yeah. Yes, I would go on a holiday occasionally, and then it was like, "This is what I'm going to do." Then I can, I can do that. That became my vision uh, of what I wanted to, who I wanted to become. And, and you didn't spent, have a vision outside of work either, did you? No other vision. Just to know my kids are okay. My vision was you would get married to somebody, <laughs> and a nice Indian guy, uh, arrange. Because right. originally that's how I thought. Despite the and you had to pay for that big wedding, that's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. so it's not surprising. So again, it's all of the beliefs from before. Exactly. Even though your parents are no longer alive, your controlling husband has died, you are still doing it to yourself. Uh, exactly. So we still do. It's not until unconsciously. Yeah, unconsciously. But I mean, for you, this has carried on for a very long time. But that part of that is because, um, you know, the real impact that it's had on me, which is so I I didn't like it was funny. I never really enjoyed my jobs in the corporate world at all. Like I found them really easy. They wouldn't promote me. It was like it was so easy for me. I got paid well for it. So I didn't really overexert myself in that way in that environment I was doing things that were harmful to myself outside of work but then when I did actually kind find the thing that I loved which was my business heart's happiness and podcasting and all those things I really did step into like your energy and your family's energy which is I have to work really hard to make this a success I have to work really hard to earn the money and like it went into such overdrive like to the point that I am not caring if I'm eating properly if I'm moving my body if I'm resting it really really took over and then it became that I was continually burnt out and then I think I started to say to you mum but this is what the way you all have been forever I didn't realize this is actually actually really toxic to work that much and the amount the the toll it takes on your body and in all honesty I probably would have carried on but the fact that I had that miscarriage and you know, it. I cannot have children at my age working like that. That's the thing that really woke me up. But I think for you, you've, and it's only that 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 I'm kind of questioning you. Going, you've been like this forever, and you know, because you had us when you were younger, it was a little bit different. And you, but you did have health problems along the way. But you're like, it's that energy of just just got to go. And and also the same for me, where I'd had my income before I never felt safe with money like I had enough I always just felt like there was just enough I was always in debt wasn't able to save that comes more from my dad but then when I went into business 
and I don't have that regular income, it really pushed me into survival. And then I am terrified that I haven't got enough. So I'm overworking. And I know a similar thing happened for you when you walked away from, you know, that regular nine to five and you started your business, right? I think originally, um, so I qualified and became a counsellor at 60. Mm. And I thought, okay, I can do this. You know, this is what I want to do. All I need to do is do a website and everything's going to be fine. I didn't have a clue how to do those things. Uh, But that was my passion. And I thought, I tried this way and I tried that way. And then actually it was, um, then I did some agency work as a counsellor. And then, uh, and the thing is, I live in Kent. I've got a beautiful house. Mm. You know, something I know both of you are fine now, but there's always this, well, what's my purpose? What's, you know, it, it was still, yes, and I was doing self-care in the sense that I was going, I was grand. Yeah, you've done a lot of work with it. I don't really, you know. But I just want to point out, you've come, obviously you've bought a new house, you've left London, which has made you a much more secure financial position anyway, but you've come to, to live on your own for the first time okay. and money so I- is not coming in. Exactly. And it was also, that was the time when the first time ever, I was on my own, but this is when when all your other stuff starts to come up, because I'd never lived on my own. So it was, this is when, you know, in terms of my mom's death, my husband, all this other stuff started to creep up on me, and um, it had to be dealt with, you know, in terms of, and it was scary. I'm not going to say it wasn't because and I could cry because I never wanted to cry in front of either of you. I didn't want to upset you, but I went through a lot of grief. So then what did I do? I thought, OK, I'll be I'll do. during COVID. I I worked for um, bereavement uh, uh, crews to help others. So for me, it was always about never about me, but it was like, well, like, let me use this for other people. It was, I always looked at it that way rather than thinking in terms of what do I need? Yeah, and how can it nourish you? Like, how can it, exactly. I just want to bring to I was just going to get to the bit where this year. Well, I was going to get to something before that. Um, So basically how you had decided to start your business with every business, it takes time to get people. You weren't getting people, so you started to get very, very scared. It was affecting your health as well, thinking that you didn't have enough money, that, you know, that kind of limit belief around money, yeah. that's not enough, I can't survive, I'm on my own, that kind of thing. And when that happens, by the way, for everyone listening, financial things start to happen, like you need to get a new car or you need to fix something or there's there's money you need for things because your belief is I haven't got enough I haven't got enough I haven't got enough I haven't got enough and then that becomes your reality so you were really going through that and that's when you decided that was last last year right yeah. about this time last year actually yeah so, uh, I got approached by um, an agency to work for them they weren't paying much money and I thought okay well, yeah how much they pay like it's minimum well, paid, really. it, it was about be a counsellor and a therapist which you know at about $25 an hour and if you think a client is only um 45 minutes mm. and then it goes up slowly but you'd have to do a good 30 35 uh, hours which would mean you'd have to do at least 40 hours over 40 hours a week it was a week yeah. and it, how many clients how many clients is that I mean I was probably dealing with about 30 yeah, and mum wasn't taking her weekends off. You weren't having any breaks. You were like, oh, I'm earning money, even though it's like the shittest money that you could earn during this job. But you're earning money. You don't have to face your demons to make your business work. You're exactly. surviving. But, enough. But the, it doesn't matter that you have no time or energy for yourself. Exactly. But I thought, but another way, I thought, well, you know, uh, the people I worked with, you know, there was really nice people. You know, I dealt with people from all over the world mm. so I had a lot of uh, experience in that but then uh this year it burnt me out totally because I thought okay I can do that because part of this was so that I could get somebody else to do my marketing mm. because again this is business and it's the fears around showing up I thought well somebody else can do that part for me but mm. if it's not you it 
doesn't work the same way. No, it doesn't. So really, all the energy I was putting in doing all those extra hours wasn't really materialising. No, no. It and it was making you sick because you've got no time for yourself. You're, exactly. you're, you're, I mean, you're showing a lot of signs as well of that low self-worth that you can't do that. So therefore, you have to take that that job with the less money. You have to work more hours. That's just what you're going to have to do. And, you know, because figuring out business is far too complicated so you know and working like a crazy person and making yourself ill and then it was okay so this year a uh, couple of two three months ago it was like the year and my body was just like my brain wasn't it was just so foggy and I couldn't move I couldn't do anything and it was like well why am I doing this? Mm. Why? Why? And also because I think I had absorbed, because I, being an empath, you absorb, you're like a sponge and you take it all in. And it was like, I can't do this. Mm. I'm not going to do it. Press the button to say no more new clients. Yeah. And the, the worst, the, the other part of it is that while I was ill, when I was really ill for a couple of months, uh, and this is where it switched because we we did some work on money beliefs together. Yeah. Then I went back to my money beliefs in terms of how much I need, and even though I was ill, all my bills were being covered. There was there wasn't an issue with money; it was in my head the issue. You yeah. know, it's like, and also the other thing is when you're in a better, and I found when you're in a better mind space, you attract. When you're in a place of scarcity, you're you don't. scarcity. Yeah. And as you when I'm feeling better, which is what I I attract the sort of clients I want to work with. And I don't want I only want to work with a few clients and yeah. really show up for them. Uh, and that's it. And enjoy my life. And yeah. I've seen that I can pay all my bills. I don't have to work all the hours going I'm going away tomorrow to see my son mm. uh, and you know something now it's like and if so, if I don't feel okay I give myself permission to rest yeah something I've never done yeah and what what we've been working on so mum's been in my mastermind and it's because of what I experienced myself so last year I had gone full-time in my business and I wasn't earning very much money and it had put me into such a state of like fear scarcity and my body was really reacting to I'm not safe doing this because I, I literally didn't have enough money to pay bills it was it felt really scary and so every day I would wake up like feeling sick because I'd be like oh my god I haven't got enough and that's how I was sort of running each day and then what happened was I started to go work so much on that mindset which is there is no point, the number is never going to make me feel safe. I've got to learn how to feel abundant right now in this moment. So I would, you know, I know I'm working on my business. There's those are things happening. But how can I feel really safe with money right now? That's what I really worked on last year. And the minute that I, the safer and safer I felt with money and believed that it was going to be there for me and flow into, like, into my account and support me, it was then that the money actually started to come into, like, for real. Yeah. It started to flow into my account for real. And it's been happening to me this year, like, consistently, because I, I truly believe it will come, even though I have also chosen to work less or put my prices up and rest more. But without a doubt, it just comes through. And it's like, it's actually like magic. So what, what happened, what mum's talked about very much through her story there is how she's had this really insecure relationship with money that fear has driven her to overwork to limit her spending to you know hoard money at points but what she started to do was trust and have faith that she is worthy and it will come and then what happened mom more recently, no. well more no recently, you got a phone call didn't you so can you tell people about the phone call that you got from so basically you found out from like the pension people that you'd be getting this yeah. of money that would exactly. mean that you are 
what I call when I work with people, like I ask people to work out how much money do you need to feel safe? Just you... my pensions cover my sort of state, uh, my, because I worked for Neon Council for 20 years. I've got a good. Uh, but you never knew that that second I, I didn't even I didn't even think about a state pension and I came and I thought oh my god I never have to worry about a bill again yeah exactly and that came that random phone call when they came. were checking with you came when you felt safer around oh. me right yeah and exactly. I noticed this all of the time because this by the way this money mindset stuff that we're talking about in this uh episode is something you have to work on consistently and for me as an entrepreneur it's something that I have to work on all of the time and I tell you something when I'm feeling scared about money I don't make any sales I don't make sales when I'm feeling like I'm abundant I'm safe everything's okay someone will randomly message me and be like oh can I can I purchase this can I do this and what's happened over the last couple of months is it's been in really magical ways where I'm trying to work less because of my own health stuff and it's the money that's come has come in such weird ways which mean I don't have to really work much more for it and it's just crazy so that's this the whole purpose of this podcast is your money beliefs if you start to think you are abundant as you are today like I will look around my house and be like I paid all my bills I've got a roof over my head. We've got our heating on. I'm fully clothed. I'm able to have a hot bath tonight. You know, really like looking at every single thing that you have right now in this moment. So you can really feel into the feeling of financial abundance right now and not thinking, you know, and I still have debts to clear. I still have more money that to earn and things I want to do. But right now in this moment, I feel really abundant. And when I notice I'm getting a bit scared and being a bit afraid to spend money on things I need, I'll be like, oh, it's come back. So how can I make myself feel secure with money again? And the minute that I feel secure, it flows back in again. So for, for anybody listening, it's not a lot of people think that they haven't got the capability to earn more that it's not possible for them. But there's a whole universe of money that could flow to you in such crazy ways. Like the things I've heard my clients say is, oh my God, I got a letter out of the blue telling me that I have an account that I forgot about and it's got this much money in it. Like that's the kind of things. In January, I got contacted by tax people who gave me like two grand. So the point is, you there is so many ways that you could attract money that you don't even know are possible but you when you're when you're in scarcity your your brain is so contracted that you're thinking well it's going to be from work it's going to be from this this is the way it's going to happen and you're actually limiting yourself and what happened with mum is she learned to feel safe regardless she cut her hours she acted like she did have the money you haven't been holding back your spending you've been taking care of yourself and what happens it came to you because you became in alignment with feeling worthy of it and started getting clients at a higher rate yeah I don't, exactly so now it's and like, without doing i mean we're still working on your business aren't we aren't we but like you know that's without you having to do all these things that you have to do and, it, and it's that sense of calmness you know, yeah. and knowing that you're safe and you're safe in your body. Mm. And, and and I think you've got, and it's like when we're feeling anxious and stuff, then what what what's the energy we're sending out? Mm, exactly. And this is very much, this relationship that you speak about with money is the same with love as well. And like romantic relationship with friendship, with clients, like you have to be in the the energy of what it is that you want. And it's kind of like you have to be the energy of what you want before it's even arrived. So when I didn't believe I was worthy of love or that I could only have like the people that were giving out crumbs, then that was my reality. When I used to be in a job where, you know, that I was underpaid is because that is what I believed I was worthy of. But then when I made the decision to leave that job and go be in another job, and I didn't even have a job at that point, that that's when that that opportunity comes to me. So we have so much power and control over our circumstances, especially when it comes around money. But the reason why so many of us struggle with that relationship with money, which is why I want mum to come on today, is because of our family relationship with money. It, it's not just our relationship with money. It's our parents' relationship with money, our parents' relationship with work and of doing work. Like I've had to do some work on the fact that I get to do a job, earn really good money doing something I really love. 
And when I was younger, you know, my, my parents didn't have that same privilege or that I get to build a business around having a young family when my parents had to work all the time and they weren't able to be there with me. So that's like guilt and shame for having something different. So you have to kind of work on those things to be able to go past what your family's even had. And for you, mum, like when you're resting on the sofa, I know earlier on, you'd be like, oh, I just feel so bad. I'm so worthless, like not working. And, you know, and that really comes from your upbringing. And I've had times like it's not safe for me not to work because if I don't work, then how will my business survive? And that's not true at all. Actually, what me and you have both found is actually we earn more money by working there. Yeah. And that is not obviously how society is built or what we're trained to believe. But if we work on the taking care of ourselves, our self-love, our abundant mindset, that is what attracts money. So for anybody that is struggling with money right now, do that. Keep focusing on how you do have so much rather than the lack of it. Because when you focus on the lack of it, that's what your reality is. And I, the universe will give you more lack of it. It will give you a hit you are. huge bill. It will hit you with a huge, you know, things. Will, like, you know, you crashed your car, didn't you? And all these bad things kept happening around money because you were in that lack mentality. And now you've shifted your vibration. So you're like, I've got more than enough. It's come to you. Exactly. Magic. It's actually magic. It is. It is but, it, it, you know, but it takes time changing those beliefs. Yeah. You know? But you've got to be aware of it. So- You've got to be aware of it and conscious, bring it into your consciousness so that you can look at it. Otherwise, you don't even think about it, actually. I mean, I never realised it was that bad. It's only sort of, it's only once you start to think about these things and think, okay, but then why? That's not my belief. That was my parents' belief. But if it's a belief, a habit, you can change it. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you become aware of it. Exactly. So what... Exactly. And what me and mum have done today, we've been talking a lot about her story uh, with money, her family story with money, how it impacted her, how it's come into me and how we have been able to change those things. And none of those things got changed by money, by the way, did they? It got changed by our mindset, our worthiness, our acting like we had it now, acting like we had it, that that's what changed things, not actually money. So it's not... I'm in groups because uh, I've done courses on this where women get paid, they're millionaires and they still have fear around money because of that childhood upbringing. It never goes away. It's part of your wiring and it will come up all the time actually. But like, you've just got to be like, oh, there it is again. That belief, that old belief coming back to tell me that it's not possible for me, but anything is possible. And I've shared on the podcast a few times, mum, about that story when um, my uncle came to the house, so mustard. And yeah, yeah, and he got himself really stressed because I had given up my very good job at the BBC and I had, you know, just bought a house. And he's like, what are you doing? You've given up your job. Like, what? Like, you are crazy. And when I said to him, well, isn't life too short to not do like what you want? it was horrible because I'm like younger than him and I have to give myself the belief because his belief is like for his own reasons because he was a business owner I guess he kind of still is um where he was afraid for me afraid of what are you doing also there's a global economic crisis like what is going on and when I saw him like just over a year later and I told him I was doing really well and that I'm gonna have to like change the way I'm running business because I've earned more than I thought I was going to earn. He got worried about me because of that. (laughs) He got worried that the tax man's going to do something to me or or the VAT man is. So this is other people's beliefs around money can really influence us. And then we can believe that what they're saying is must be true. But actually it's, you know, if you, if you believe you're like able to have everything, you'll have everything that you want. But you have to do the inner work to be able to make it a reality. And that's what mum's been working on a lot, I guess, this year. And also, I was going to say, and also think bigger rather than, like, I suppose when I was married, it was just about making sure we could pay the bills and go on a holiday. It wasn't like, okay, well, why shouldn't we dream big? Mm. Never thought about dreaming big. 
you know. No, no, I think I rubbed off on you there. <laughs> yeah. I never used to dream big. So like when I first started my journey of like healing all this stuff starting in 2015, which is like the first time I ever heard of the concept of dream journaling. So it's like writing down what you want to bring into your reality. And um, I couldn't think of anything. I, I, You know, it was just like I wanted to get married and I wanted to have a little bit more money and I wanted to have a house. And and for lots of people that I work with, I always ask everyone that question, like, what do you want from life? Like, what do you want in six months and two years and five years? And everybody doesn't really know, like, what to say to me. <laughs> like, they just like, oh, I, I don't know. And it's crazy because over time you start to realize that you can have more and it's really really cool so you did it mum you've broken it well you still got to keep working on it and And that's the other thing you've got to keep working on it and keep believing in yourself as well and when you do start feeling you're going downwards remind you reminding yourself that actually what you mind about remember that time it got sorted out give yourself the evidence of where you have managed to come back up just to make sure you stay in that high five vibration type of thing yeah high vibe yeah that's so true and do you find now that you've been working on this yourself that is something that you bring to your work with your clients like being well, able to help them change their beliefs I, I I've been work, working with clients with other beliefs but now I bring the money beliefs into it as well yeah you know, and I think for me that's why I like working with uh, women in terms of just to make them realize that look you can change and it's never too late to change for me that's my thing is that it's never too late if I'm still learning at this age and if only I'd done it a lot earlier but yeah. you know you have to to um you know for your children's sake you know you can change your programming beliefs at any time yeah it's not just for your children but it's for you as well like for your life and yeah i've got a better life and then you know something i don't uh, and also so you realize you're not because otherwise you're passing your beliefs as well to your children as well yeah but i mean i mean i guess a lot of the older ladies well, their kids will be growing up like we are, but the fact that you know that you can still have an impact on people, yeah. yeah, yeah. By being to me, I enjoy, you know being able to see women change, uh, just like I've changed. I love it. I love yeah. doing that work with them. No, it's the same as me. I I believe anything's possible. Like I was speaking to a client the other day who's in her 50s and she was just like but isn't it isn't it just too late for me I was like it's never too late I don't care what anyone says it's never too late to have more money to follow your dreams to fall in love it's never too late if you believe it's possible for you if that's the most important thing you believe it's possible then you can make it happen but when you believe that you're not worthy and you have those limiting beliefs and then you therefore you don't take action like you have it like for mum she decided to take action like it was already here by cutting those hours of the less paying counseling of having time for rest of deciding that actually I'm not going to pay for that somebody else to do my marketing because that's not working out for me you know you started to make calls which were in alignment with that abundant thinking and then the universe very quickly turned exactly yeah. yeah and that's exactly what happened to me as well so last year when things were not doing very well the more and more that I tightened up that mindset it literally was within days it had changed and the money flow flew in and also that happened with me with love as well like for a whole year I was working on like all the traumas because the traumas can create the beliefs <laughs> and I was working on that the minute I truly believed that I was worthy and it was going to happen for me that's when it did and it was like in days of that so it can be really really fast when you truly truly with every ounce of your being believe it to be true and that's why sometimes you need somebody to help you with this because it can be really hard to see your own blind spots with your belief systems and like for me I had to say to mum mum do you know what this is you're doing this like and from that you were able to start putting all the join all the dots but it's so important to 
bring in somebody to look at it sometimes. I have had someone show it, point it out to me as well because I could see some of it, but I couldn't see all of it. And that's why coaching is such a important... And I was going to say, and also it gives you accountability in the sense that... So you can't, like I think before, amount of time I spent on the sofa hidden away. Mm. Uh, and it's like, no, you've got to show up and take the action. And it's like, why haven't you done this yet? Why? Mm and being able to do that for others to keep them on track as well so that's where the coaching is so good yeah exactly so mum obviously you work with people so how can people find you I'll put any links that you have in the episode notes as well and you're you're taking one-to-one people again I'm taking one-to-ones now not a lot I'm working with a few yeah Uh, but it's got to be uh, people who, who want to change. I, I, but I do like just pure counselling because I think if you've never processed stuff, I think it's important to do that and then to do a trans, then do transformation. And okay. I, I I use um, uh, hypnosis, EFT. I use uh, bits and pieces and all the tools I've learned. Yeah, that's that's such a big part of helping people, isn't it? Like, yeah, do the work yourself to be able to help others for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, Mum didn't say it because she's very bad at marketing herself, but her website is www.becomingvisible.com. Is that right? I'll put your details in the episode notes for anybody that wants to work with Mum. And um, that's it. Thank you so much. Was there anything else that you wanted to share? No, that's it, really. Thank thank you for having me today. Thanks for sharing your story. And there we have it, guys. An episode completed. I hope you enjoyed it and it raised a load of awareness in your mind. There was alarm bells going. You were all like, ding, that's totally me. Because that's what I was like when I started this journey. And that is the start of the process, finding out this information and realizing it has happened in your own life. So I really hope it was helpful. And before the next episode coming out next Wednesday, be sure to check us out on Instagram. So it's hearts underscore underscore happiness. Also, we have a YouTube channel where I share the videos I create for Instagram on. So you can check that out. They come on about once a week. And then we also have a Facebook group if you want to join to carry on the conversation. I want to create a community where we're all talking about our very real experiences and traumas. And then there is also my website called heartshappiness.co.uk, which you can check out to join our mailing list so that as I create new services and support tools for you all, you're the first to find out. And I have a freebie on there, so definitely check that out. It's five books that transformed my healing. So if you really want to kickstart and you know you're liking the content in here, these books are like the basis of so much of my knowledge. So definitely check that out. And I will speak to you next week. I'm so excited to continue this journey with you to help you to find your own heart's happiness. Take care.